Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, folks, and welcome to the Elijah Winfrey Show. I am your host, Elijah Winfrey, joined each week by my fabulous, wonderful, and talented co-host, Tony Boucher. We have a great show lined up for you today. We have special needs uh, lawyer Todd Kenny, who will be joining us momentarily. Uh, before we get to Todd, let's get you caught up on the past week that was for Tony and I. Tony, what have you been up to? Yeah, Eli, I've had some kind of fun projects that have been going on this week. One of them is, you know, I have a group of um, young men and women that I meet every week to work on social skills. And one of the things that we have been focusing on in order to really improve those skills and and make it a lot uh, more enjoyable to interact with people is identifying sensory issues. So we actually put together a little sensory toolkit and it was really neat to see uh, some of these young men and women uh, have not really been able to have the opportunity to identify what some of their sensory issues are and how they may be impacting um, their ability to interact in the world. And so, you know, sensory integration is something that is just an ongoing thing that, um, you know, you just begin to learn more and more about yourself and how that those sensory inputs affect your ability to interact. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, we've also had a lot of families that have been asking about um, the ABLE program, which is I'm really excited to have uh, Todd Kinney with us today because, um, you know, historically it's been a real kind of um, frustration for families who um, have a loved one who is eligible for um, federal aid um, and how to maintain that, you know, that person's individual wealth and um, go ahead and save and, and you know, pass down um, to your loved one your, your resources. And so um, I've been talking with a lot of families referring them to people who know more about this topic than I do, people like, like um, Todd Kenny. So, Eli, what has been going on for you? Have you had the chance to golf this week? Well, I am uh, in the process of, of getting all of that done. Uh, as most folks know, my season starts this week, and and I'm looking forward to representing, you know, not only myself and my family, but uh, my autism, homeless, and, and underprivileged youth communities. Um, each season I, I dedicate it to, to them, and, and you know, I, I, I think about them, you know, when I hit every shot or over every shot, uh, because there are a lot of moms and dads who, who are passionate about golf and, and other sports, but, but they don't have the time to, to go out and play. So 
uh, I, I feel like most of them kind of, you know, uh, live vicariously through through me and 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 whether I play well or I kind of struggle a bit, you know, um, I, I'm able to go back and tell those stories to to those families and and it puts a smile on their faces. So uh, prep has has gone well. Uh, I'll I'll be leaving uh, uh, town, you know, not today, but uh, in the next few days to to head up and play a practice round at the tournament site and, and then be ready to go um, for my first event. I, I'm excited. I'm extremely nervous, as always. It's a good nervousness, um, but uh, I'm, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to a, a, another great year. So um, I'm going to play about uh, 10 events, and hopefully I, I do I do well in all 10. Um, so I'm excited about that. Other than that, I, I haven't really done too much. I... I've interacted with my with my directors at uh, Team Winfrey, and you know I, I hear amazing stories about families who are who are getting better and doing well. I also hear stories about uh, families that are still struggling and, and still in need of a voice. And uh, I encourage uh, all advocates out there to 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 reach out to those um, that may be um, asking for your help. Um, sometimes you know it, they they have a it's a, it it's hard to verbalize. You know, and, and but you you can feel to kind of want to jump in and, and help families. So um, I'm hoping to to do more of that as my season starts. I always meet dads as I'm playing who kind of pull me aside and want to share their story about uh, their family and, and what they're going through. And and you know, it, it gives me more of a a purpose for playing. You know, the golf that I do play. So uh, that's what I've been up to. And uh, with that. Uh, let's transition to to our guest and and Tony. You know, uh, you you do an amazing job uh, at at booking a, a lot of our guests on the show, and and today's guest is no different. And you know, I, I'll turn it over to you for for the intro, and and I'll just jump in, you know, where I can and and, and ask questions. Sure. Well, Eli, I am so appreciative that uh, Todd Kenny is taking time out of his busy schedule today to talk with us. Todd is a, an attorney that focuses on a real special area of the law, special needs, wills, and trusts. Um, and this is an area that not a lot of um, attorneys um, want to go there because it's a complicated um, situation. And, and Todd has really um, taken it on as his mission to really provide this as a service to communities in South Carolina um, so that families um, get the protections that they need when they're in a situation where they have um, a child um, or a loved one with a, a disability. So um, he, he's one of the few in in South Carolina who who you know, has really taken that on as his mission. So, um, Todd, I'm really um, excited to have you here. I'm um, I'm wanting to talk with you about some of the myths people have about what a, a special needs trust is as well as who really should actually pursue or look into if a, a, a special needs trust is a good fit. So welcome today. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Tony. Um, so a lot of the work that we do, like you said, is is geared towards special needs and special needs families and the planning that goes into that. Um, one of the big concerns that I have that I see time and time again is the families that, that, that don't sit down and meet with a lawyer generally come up with their own plan for their family. And, and, and generally what we see a lot of times is that the 
the child that has the diagnosis, whether it be you know, alt- uh, 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 autism or maybe Down syndrome or whatever it may be, um, where they are receiving Medicaid and SSI benefits, that the parent would sometimes say, well, we just won't give to our disabled child and we'll give the entire inheritance to our neurotypical child with the understanding that the neurotypical child will just take care of our, our sick child. Um, mm-hmm. That's a great plan, but how often is that going to work? You know, first we'd have to have the neurotypical child outlive our disabled child, and then are they truly going to use the assets as, as we see fit? So the state of South Carolina, the federal government, they have given us the ability to create what's called a special needs trust. Um, through the special needs trust, we can actually provide to the disabled child, um, and it would not interrupt or interfere with any of their Medicaid or SSI benefits. It would basically just be held um, in, in, in a pot, in an account, and we would appoint an agent called a trustee that would manage those assets for the disabled child. It could be your other child. It could be a corporate entity. It could be another friend or family member. But then they would manage the assets and then make distributions down for the benefit of the disabled child. So we don't have to have a scenario where we're just completely disinheriting um, you know, a child at that point because of their Medicaid and SSI benefits. Yeah, and I think this is so important because I think so many families just think, okay, my child has these benefits and there is no way for me to pass, you know, my 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 wealth onto them. And and so I think it's really important that families who have a special needs child realize that there there are ways to do that. And there are actually I, I know we don't want to get into the details of what those are, but there are different trusts that meet individual needs based on what your circumstances are, right, Todd? That's exactly correct. Um, and, and, and generally we look at where the money is coming from. So, so when we have a situation where the money is mom and dad's, they've passed away, and we're distributing the assets down to the children, well, what we can do is create a type of trust um, called a D4, uh, D, uh, a special needs D4A, special needs trust, third-party trust, where the assets would basically be left then to the, the special needs child and it would not interrupt their, their, their benefits. Um, then when the child passes away, whatever's left in that trust would just be distributed to the other beneficiaries, children mm-hmm. or to a charitable organization, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. When we have a scenario where the child has received the money, whether it be through an inheritance that was improperly drafted um, or they receive um, a, a settlement through an injury, uh, through a, a lawsuit, through a personal injury lawsuit, um, those types of assets where it is the child's asset, we, we could still set up a different type of trust. It would still be a D4A special needs trust, but here we would have to pay Medicaid back for the monies that they have spent on our care during our lifetime. So there would be a little bit of a penalty, but they would still be able to maintain those Medicaid benefits even though they mm-hmm. received the settlement, and which is a huge nothing, benefit right? to our clients. Yeah, because – we, you and I have worked with individuals who were stuck in the position where they didn't have a trust set up, they had received benefits, and then they received an inheritance, and then they had to make the decision about what, you know, whether to keep the benefits or the inheritance. So, yeah, and, and, and we see that oftentimes where, again, it's just a, a lack of communication, and oftentimes we'll have, you know, outside family members, whether it be, you know, grandmother, grandfather, you know, siblings, mm-hmm. aunts, uncles, who are there just wanting to, to help out. Um, and, and we recently had a scenario where that played out just as such, where um, an, an aunt had passed away, 
left an inheritance to an individual who was receiving benefits from Medicaid and SSI. So the discussion had to be had, okay, which would we prefer? Because if we take this distribution, the, the 25000 you will end up losing your, your SSI and Medicaid benefits if it's not held in a proper trust. Um, and then the alternative is either take the inheritance or take the Medicaid benefits, which is mm-hmm. a tough predicament to put the individual in yeah. uh, because they could end up having to disclaim it or say, you know, thank you, but, but no thanks uh, because of so, the effect. So of families can go ahead and, yeah, so families can go ahead and set up a trust. And it sounds like really it's important for aunts, uncles, um, grandparents to really be communicating with each other so you know when you've got a special needs child so that everybody's on the same page and we're not oh, making very assumptions. So. so I very think that's so. a really good tip for families. Yeah, it's so very important for, for all of the family members to and, and I agree it is a difficult conversation um, to go to other family members and ask the question, hey are you going to be leaving an inheritance to my special needs child? I mean, that's just an awkward conversation to have, but unfortunately it is one that has to be had because mm-hmm. if we have multiple people, you know, if if, if Sarah and I are, are trying to protect, you know, a special needs child and, and we're putting assets into a trust, you know, that and the trust will work. I mean, it's perfect. Um, however, if an outside family member is making an, an additional distribution, well, that could throw off all of the work that we have done. Mm-hmm. So I think another um, misunderstanding maybe people have is that you actually have to be rich, have lots and lots of resources to have a trust. Is that is that true? Absolutely not. Um, now there is situations where if you have greater than you know eleven million dollars, where we would want to create that trust, um, but that's not the standard case. Um, I do probably as much planning for family issues as I do for estate tax issues. Um, you know, essentially, if the child receives more than $2,000 in, in, in assets, now there is a list of exempt assets that don't count into that qualification, um, but the general rule is $2,000. So if you are giving greater than $2,000 to your child as an inheritance, it needs to be into a special needs trust so that they don't lose the benefits. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's great that you're sharing that because I've heard so many families talk about how um, they just don't feel like, you know, a trust is, is for their family because they're, you know, they're not in that high earning income bracket. And so the the magic number really is, is 2,000. But it, it also sounds like it doesn't hurt to just have that conversation with, with an experienced attorney. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, have the conversation. And, and wealth kind of takes on a different – meaning when, when we have special needs families. You know, we, we see all the time where, you know, the therapies and the, the medications and, and the process is just so utterly expensive for the families that they don't really have time to go sit down with an attorney. And, and they feel, just mm-hmm. like you stated, that they don't have enough resources to provide for the child. However, mm-hmm. you know, when we look long term, a lot of these families do have a life insurance policy or they do have, you know, some type of 401k or IRA that is provided through their employer. Um, and, and those are the assets that would also pass down to that special needs child upon their passing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the mistakes that I see time and time again and, and why I've become so passionate about special needs is that we have to, when the attorney drafts the trust, that's really only step one. The real work comes into getting all the assets retitled so that that special needs child does not become a beneficiary 
unintendedly. Um, what I mean mm-hmm. by that, um, so when we have beneficiary designations on life insurance and, and um, retirement plans, IRAs, 401Ks, those are contracts. So the contract states that upon the death of the individual, the owner, those assets will pay to the named beneficiary. Well, it is imperative when we have a special needs situation that those assets, um, that the beneficiary designation is the actual trust itself and not the child that has special needs. If we name the child with special needs, the asset would then come to them as an individual and it would disrupt their Medicaid benefit. Mm -hmm. So it's imperative that the attorney work with the financial advisors or the, the, the companies that you work for to make sure that the beneficiary designations mirror the work that we do so that when there is a death, we have no issues, no concerns. It's just a smooth process contributing down to the, the, the beneficiary. So let me make sure I understand this. So when you are an employee and you have a 401K and you decide to set up a trust for your special needs child, it means once that trust is set up, you have to go in there and change the beneficiary. If you have bank accounts that you want to be included in that trust, you need to go to each of those bank accounts and change the beneficiary. And so that's the work you're talking about, right? That's absolutely correct, Tony. That's absolutely correct. Um, And and, and a lot of times, um, you know, there's just that disconnect between, you know, the attorney and the financial advisor. um, And and it just doesn't happen. It doesn't get done where the beneficiary designations are are amended to reflect the trust. Mm -hmm. One other thing that that our office does, and, you know, for any of your listeners who do have a, a trust, just to make sure that they have what's called a pour over will. So a pour over will is just like any other will, except for the only distribution in a pour over will says that in the event that I were to die and something was not titled into my trust, well, my will will pour all of those assets into my trust. Now, they, those assets would have to go through probate and be subject to you know, the probate court, but it would at least guarantee that they would make it into the trust mm-hmm. for the benefit of our special needs child. So that's um, that's excellent. So it's kind of a, a, a backup for those um, situations where something didn't get titled. But but what I'm hearing you say as well is if you have that special needs trust in place, um, then your loved one doesn't have to go through probate, go through that process of going through the court system and waiting to access those resources because the special needs trust goes around or circumvents that. Is that right? That's exactly right, Tony. That's exactly okay. right, Tony. So, so when we have um, when we have a trust, we we generally would re- retitle the assets from the owner's name to the name of the trust. So, for mm-hmm. example, you know, my my wife and I have a trust. It's called the Kenya Living Trust. We would retitle our home, our vehicles, um, our boats, um, all of our accounts, checking, savings. And then the beneficiary designations on life insurance, retirement plans. We would have all of those things transferred to the name of the trust so that when both Sarah and I pass away, it's an immediate distribution down to our children as opposed to being held up in the probate court. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, for your listeners, with with probate court here in South Carolina, um, we have a statute. um, It's called a creditor's notice statute. So, So upon the death of an individual, once we submit everything to the probate court, we must file a creditor's notice. And that basically puts into the newspaper for three consecutive weeks that, that I have passed away or the individual has passed away. And this puts all of the known creditors on notice. So now they have a period of eight months to come forward and make a claim against the estate. Mm-hmm. So essentially during that eight-month period, 
the assets are, are essentially frozen um, for those creditors to come in and make a claim. So if we were to need resources for our special needs child during that time period, we would have to file um, what's called a receipt and release with the probate court. It's basically asking the judge um, to sign off that giving us a, an early distribution of our later inheritance. Wow, um, that's so, so huge. There, uh, that, yeah, that so could there, really there becomes a big process. Big issue, yeah, okay, yeah. As opposed so, to the special yeah. needs trust, if we if we do have the beneficiaries changed over, it's an immediate distribution of those assets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's huge. That's huge because you know you're at a, a time where those resources are going to be needed desperately for a lot of people. So that's good to know. I know some of our listeners are in South Carolina. We have listeners in other parts of the world as well, and it's um, just a, it's important to know that. You know, depending on what state you live in, your laws may be a little different. But I think the the principles here behind the the wills and trusts stand true regardless of what what state you're in. Am I correct on that? Yeah, for the most part, you would you would definitely need to speak with a local attorney in the state that you reside, mm-hmm. um, just to you know inquire about the the, the time periods and time frames. Um, you know, I believe that South Carolina has one of the longer creditor notice periods mm-hmm. uh, throughout the you know, throughout the country. Um, so some states it may be a little bit quicker than that. Um, some states it may be a little slower than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Todd, I lo- I'm I wondering. Oh, go ahead, Eli. No, no, I was going to say I, I love this because this is something that that we rarely talk about as we're we're advocating with with families, you know, and I think this is this is very important because you you never know. Mhm. Well, certainly. Yeah, and, and, and I'm yeah, sorry, Tony. I, I, what I was going to say is um a lot of times there's a, a, a great deal of uncertainty, you know. Well, my child is not currently receiving SSI and Medicaid benefits, but they still have the diagnosis. Um so what do I do at that point? I like to add as much flexibility into the document you know, that we possibly can. So when we have that situation where we have a, a, a child who has been diagnosed with you know, autism or, or some other disability, but they are not yet currently qualified to receive benefits, what we would normally do in that situation, and, and, and every client's a little bit different, but we would have the conversation. And if we have found that the child with a disability is unable to manage their own financial affairs, the mom and dad have passed away, the son is going to receive, you know, say $100,000. If we have a fear that they would be taken advantage of or, you know, someone would come in and, and steal the money from them, again, we can hold it into a type of trust that's called a discretionary trust. With a discretionary trust, the distributions are there for the trustee to make up to the sole and absolute discretion of the trustee. So if the child is being taken advantage of and someone is trying to, basically swindle money from the child, the trustee can step in and say, no, we're not going to make this distribution. And then in the future, if we do need to get SSI and Medicaid benefits um, qualified for, the trust would allow us to do so. Okay, so it's kind of a, a almost a sit-and-wait approach as, as opposed to just saying, okay, this mm-hmm. is the type of trust we're going to have, and then we don't care about the benefits down the road. So we, I love to add the flexibility into the documents. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important because so many of the uh, young men and women that I work with are are in that position where families don't know how independent 
um, their their child is going to be throughout the future. And we all know with autism there are ups and downs in times when maybe somebody may be disabled and times when they're not. And so that flexibility is really important. And so it's sounding to me like you're recommending that even if a family doesn't know how um, capable their child is going to be to manage their own um, life moving forward, that it still makes sense to explore the option for trust. Most certainly, most certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Because we we want those assets and those resources to be available for the child, Um, Mm -hmm. not being taken advantage of or or, not necessarily being taken advantage of, just not understanding the value of a dollar. And if the child mm-hmm. receives this inheritance, you know, how quickly would it be spent without them really truly understanding what just happened? And, and, and that's mm-hmm. a concern that, that I have, and, and I have for my clients. And, and mm-hmm. the trust just gives us a way to resolve that concern and, and, and guarantee and make sure that the trustee is utilizing the assets in a proper manner. That's great. What, what would you say are, um, are a couple tips you would give our listeners to choose a special needs attorney that's going to be qualified to do this? Because I've come across a lot of families who have been given um, some not so good advice by attorneys who don't really know about special needs trust. So how do, how do you know how, how to pick one that's going to be helpful? It's going to give you the right Yeah, you can certainly start by contacting um, your either your local county bar or the state mm-hmm. bar. Um, you know, make a phone call to the state bar. Um, attorneys and I'll speak for South Carolina, but I'll assume that it's the same in most states. Um, attorneys can, can designate what areas of law that they practice in. So, for example, we would designate that we practice in estate planning. Now, obviously, estate planning is a very broad range, but at least you know, when a client calls, and, and I've designated myself as an estate planning attorney to the South Carolina Bar, they would be able to refer that individual to our office. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I, w- I would really just put the onus on, on, on the family to ask the question. You know, how many of these special needs trusts have you created? When was the last one you created? You know, and, and just start asking the questions to the attorney. Um, and if they feel comfortable working with that attorney, then then move forward. But, mm-hmm. you know, if they start asking the questions and, and the answers are not what they expected, you know, you can always you know, contact another attorney. You can. You can always get a second opinion. And I always feel like families, you know, have an instinct about these things. And if the answer you get is, oh, your child just doesn't need one, it doesn't hurt to to talk to another one. Correct, correct. Yeah. And situations are always going to change. Um, that's one thing that we always do with our clients. Um, you know, I want to review the documents at least every three to five years, if not, you know, sooner than that. Mm-hmm. Because when, when, when life changes, when things happen, births, deaths, marriages, divorces, you know, usually the last person that the person talks to is their attorney. Um, mm-hmm. So we like to sit down periodically and have these reviews just to make sure that, you know, assets haven't been taken out or, or removed from the trust. Or if you've purchased a new item, such as, you know, taking out a new life insurance policy. Well, did you, when you created that life insurance policy or, or acquired it, you know, did you remember to put the beneficiary designations as the trust? Or did you name mm-hmm. your special needs child? So I like to, you know, go back and review these documents and just make sure that everything is status quo. Um, and, and I would strongly encourage, you know, our families out there with special needs children, you know, to also have their documents reviewed periodically just to make sure that there have been no changes in the law as well as any changes in the assets. Mm-hmm. 
good advice. Eli, my friend, do you have any other questions for Todd? You know, I, I just, I love his passion. I, I, I wanted to know, was this something that, that you always set out to do and, and wanted to be? Because I, I, I love the passion in your voice and, and, and how you, you, you really are looking after these, these individuals. Yeah, I kind of took a scenic route through life. Um, when I got out of high school, I actually went and I worked in the hospital for about 10 years. Um, I was a cardiovascular technologist, and, and we uh, assisted physicians um, both in um, doing uh, angioplasties on heart attack patients, but we did a lot of work. We were the only children's hospital in the state of West Virginia, so all of those children that had um, any kind of congenital heart defects, they would come to our facility, and, and I was able and fortunate enough to work with those families. And I think that's really what created my passion. Um, I then went to law school, spent three years in law school, and, and, and found that this is where my passion was. Um, I'm able to help the families that, that need the help. Um, and, and we do lectures throughout the state. Um, you know, for any of the, the, the individuals listening in the state of South Carolina, um, you know, we, we, we regularly do uh, seminars throughout the entire state, you know, just giving the information and providing it out there. And then once the, the families have the information, then they can kind of make the decisions for themselves. Okay, this is for me, this is what we need to do, and we can move forward. Um, but it's really just about helping the families and, and getting the information out there to them so they can make good, informed decisions as opposed to, you know, being just scared of the information you're going to get and burying our head like an ostrich. Right, right. Well, I, I, I absolutely love it. I absolutely loved having you on the show. Um, you, you're welcome back anytime. And and where can where can individuals find you if they if they want to seek you out for 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 help? Yeah, our office is located in in Charleston, um, in, in West Ashley, and we're actually directly right beside um, the Social Security Administration office. So our address is 1483 Tobias Gadsden Boulevard, and our our phone number, if anybody would want to contact us, is 843-754. Standing well, you are an outstanding individual, and we we need more individuals like you who are who are giving back their time, their energy to to take care of these families and make sure that they are put in positions to succeed just in case something happens. So I, I commend you for all the work that you do, and it's something that 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 has to to be done and get done, and and you're doing it. So thank you so much. Well, it's my pleasure, Eli, and thank you for having me on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much Anytime. for joining us. You take care. You too. Thank you, and good luck with your golfing. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. What a great guy. Wow. And yeah. And, you know, yeah. that's something that um, we have never, in all honesty, thought about. Yeah. Until he was on the show. I know. Yeah. And and I think that's true of a, a lot of families. And there are just so many, you know, first of all, you do, you just don't think about it. And when you do, you make assumptions that, oh, this is not for me and my family. And uh, there's, you know, th- there's no harm in, in, in exploring, you know, that option for your family. And it can really be a game changer for some families. Um, you know, it's it's just not the thing you want to bury your head in the sand and not think about. I know it's it's a tough subject, but you know, our families, um, parents who take care of, 
of kids on the spectrum, their number one fear is what's going to happen, um, you know, when I'm no longer here to take care of my child. But right. this is one thing families can do that really can change the landscape for that child's future because there are ways to really protect, you know, those resources and, um, and, and get those, you know, flowing where they need to go versus, you know, getting stuck in probate or, or just kind of lost in the system. So I, I'm really grateful that Todd has shared his knowledge with me um, so that, you know, I can really be more proactive with, with the families I work with. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was an yeah. outstanding interview. I mean, I, 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 I wanted to jump in at one point, but then I'm like, oh, that's what I wanted to ask. Perfect. Okay. He answered, <laughs> he answered that. your question. Wow. <laughs> that's great. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. And, and for the listeners, this is something that, you know, we, we do need to talk about and, and uh, it's something that we do miss. You know, it, it, it uh, goes mm-hmm. over our heads or, or something, as Tony said, we just don't think about it. You know, we think, well, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not for me. Um, uh, yeah. and, and it's, you know, it's I an think, investment, you know, it's, yes. it's an investment, you know, it costs, you know, it costs a little bit of money to, to do that. It, you know, it takes time and, and to do, to do, uh, this paperwork correctly, it takes somebody who's qualified and who does really due diligence with it. And so it costs a little bit of money. And so I think it's really about your mindset. You know, it's that initial investment. It's, you know, investing a little bit at the, you know, front end so that, down the line, those returns are greater. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I love his passion. I really do. I think it's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Now let's switch over to uh, questions of the week. Before we close the show, we get tons of email questions every week uh, about autism and, and, and things related to autism. We get questions about the homeless. And uh, this week, uh, Let's start with John in Omaha. John wants to know, at what point do you, as a parent, give up and say your child is never going to make it in this world full of bullies and no empathy towards those on the spectrum? I have a son with autism, and it's frustrating dealing with people who say, get over it. It's the world we live in. At this point, I'm looking for anything positive. Can you guys help me? Well, um, John, I... Gosh, you know, the bullies part. Unfortunately, I see that a lot, um, and you know, I've 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 really started stepping in more so um, um, than I than I did when I was younger, because it is it is sad to watch uh, these these kids get belittled and bullied, and people are just watching and and assume that it's just part of culture and and part of growing up. Um, uh, at least that's what I used to always hear. You know, it's it's the norm. It's how you grow up. You get a few scars and you, you, you get over it. You'll grow, you know, and, and that's not the case. Um, and, and I know you're doing, you're, you're doing as much as you can for, for your son. Um, I, you know, my, my advice would, would, would be, to continue to love hard, and, and although you're going through a rough patch right now uh, and it seems like, you know, uh, there's no end in sight and you're frustrated and you're angry, you know, don't give in to the anger um, because that never that never works. Uh, you know, th- th- there is another avenue uh, that, that you can take, and, and you always try to look for that and try to find 
solace in 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 what's going on, and you know, uh, talk to the teachers or the individuals that are around that see this and hold them accountable because you're not going to be there all the time. And and I think that's part of the problem that we're having is we're not holding these these other adults accountable who are watching this. Mm-hmm. You know, they become mm-hmm. part of the problem at the end of the day. So I, I you know, try to try to continue to love as hard as you can. And and reach out to those who are are, are on your side and, and, and supporting you, um, but but don't don't give in to the anger. It, it is easy to do that. Tony, any advice? Yeah, I would agree with that. And just in addition to that, I would say you know there are lots of young adults and elders in the autism community who have been through the the tough times and come out on the other side stronger and wiser. And I recommend connecting young people on the spectrum with their elders, with, you know, older um, folks who have been through the tough times, who can offer them, you know, the support and that connection and that understanding and that love that everybody needs. That's a huge, huge thing. And then, you know, Eli, I think we need to do a show about this because uh, I, I recently had a dear, a dear friend of mine Matt, whose son is on the spectrum, um, was severely bullied. And and Matt, he really held the adults in the community accountable. And he had mentors in his um, child's life who really supported his son when it came down to it. And so I think this is um, this is something that we really do need to take a a, a a wraparound approach to it's not just one thing you've got to you've got to really surround these uh, young people with support from all ends. So I just think you know the, this is a big question. We don't have all the answers in in our you know moment here to answer questions. That we just need to have a show. I agree. I agree. Well said. Well said. Let's take one more question here from Pamela in Boston. Pamela wants to know. With Autism Awareness Month approaching, are either of you doing anything with your companies to raise awareness? Good question, Pamela. Um, I, I always try to raise awareness every day um, by doing something. Um, uh, Autism Awareness Month, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big deal, right? I mean, it, it is huge for, for, for families. Um, and, you know, I, you know, try to wear different, golfing outfits to, to show my support and raising awareness. Um, we may put on a fundraiser next month. I'm not sure. I, I'm still going through some mental <laughs> um, ideas of, of how I want to present this to the team. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I'll be, as I always do, supporting, you know, other autism organizations as well and, 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 and making sure that uh, those folks are being heard and, um helping families if need be. Um, so I, I don't do anything really, really big. You know, I, I try to – I'm more about uh, bringing us all together uh, and, and trying to create a, a one big idea that can help everybody every across day. the board. So, <laughs> yes, every day. So yeah. what about you? Yeah. Yeah, I a lot of the time I spend after, um, you know, after the new year is actually helping the um, the folks that I work with 
prepare themselves for Autism Awareness Month because I know we've talked about this a little bit on the show. Um, it can be really um, difficult if you're on the spectrum and you see during Autism Awareness Month all of these mis- all this misinformation that actually <laughs> comes out at that time or, or um, information that um, doesn't doesn't feel like it's um, it fits you that you know sometimes there are stereotypes that are perpetuated during Autism Awareness Month or um, you know organizations sometimes let's be honest um, are promoting themselves versus really promoting right. what's in the best interest of the people so it's a hard time for folks on the spectrum and we do a lot of preparation for that I am um, I'm going to be speaking at a couple little conferences um, but really I try to like live, breathe, think, eat, you know, autism every day of the year. So it's yes. not really much different for me than any other month, aside from, you know, having a conversation with folks who need to prep for it mentally. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So with that being said, we as we wrap up questions here, what what are your plans for the rest of the week and the weekend? Anything big, Anything anything special going on? Oh, my goodness. You love me speechless. I cannot think of anything. (laughs) I have so – it's so funny. All day I'm going, 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 rushing, 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 and then you ask me the question, what comes next? (laughs) I don't have an answer. (laughs) So I'll turn it around on you, UI. I know you've got some some good stuff coming up. Yeah, my my season starts uh, this upcoming weekend, and and I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know, just – Spending time with with the family and mm-hmm. and uh, laughing and and being silly and yeah. and uh, yeah. and and reaching out to those on the spectrum that I I mentor and help you know I I love doing that so I'll do more of that so yeah it's so it's so invigorating yeah, I guess the one yes. thing I will be doing um, my oldest son is home from college for spring break this week and so I'm I'm gonna make sure and get to spend some time with him that's always always fun. There you go. Outstanding. Outstanding. And with that being said, folks, that is the end of the show. And uh, we we would like to thank special needs lawyer Todd Kenny for being on. Outstanding individual, mm-hmm. giving us tons of information. Uh, we'd like to thank all of you for listening and supporting the show. Without all of you, the show is is practically impossible to do. So thank you for the support. Uh, as we move forward into the week and into the weekend, uh, go out there and, and, and make someone or something better. Grab a hand. Help your neighbor. Put a smile on somebody's face. It's not hard to do. Stay positive. Above all else, stay positive. And we hope that you'll tune in next week to the Elijah Winfrey Show. Until then, take care, God bless, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.